Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from Carrie Anderson, Shannon Burchard, Brianne Mayer, winners of the Scotties title. As they are back in Winnipeg, I spoke to each of them at the Winnipeg airport. Also, we get Leah Hextall's thoughts on the NHL trade deadline and what the Jets have to do down the stretch to be successful. That's all on the podcast. How does it feel to be arriving back in Manitoba as a champion? you got the gold medal around your neck. Oh, it feels awesome to uh, come down those escalators with the bagpipes. And uh, our families are all driving back, so unfortunately they couldn't be here. Um, but, uh, yeah, it feels amazing. So you get to fly and they have to drive? Yes. <laughs> um, First class treatment. Yeah, we uh, just, it's easier that way. It's, yeah. So... Take me back to the start of the week. Your goal is obviously to win it. Would you say that was the best week of curling you've ever played? Yeah, I would say um, as a team we really came together and uh, we we brought our A game every game. Um, there was a couple of hiccups along the way, but we uh, straightened out and uh, figured out what we had to do and get back on track. Ever given up seven in an end before? Nope. I've gotten, but never gave up. <laughs> Breaking records. <laughs> and then on the weekend, you were making just about every shot. You're taking a lot of hits, but that final, you had to draw a lot more than usual. How fitting was it that it came down to a draw to the hearts to win it all? I've always dreamed about uh, making the draw for the win. Unfortunately, I didn't make it in the 10th, uh, just keeping it interesting. Uh, but uh, I knew what I had to throw on my last one. I, I hadn't thrown a draw for a while, um, but uh, I knew if I give it to my sweepers, they would judge it perfectly. How good a front end have Mayer and Bertrand become? Absolutely amazing. I knew, like, playing Brianne for so many years, I knew she was an amazing drawer. And um, when I asked her to come play lead, and she, she questioned it, and then she was like, yes, I will. And then Shannon, she's just an amazing player and a great hitter. And so having her at second uh, is a great advantage, I think. Um, and then bringing on Val, she's just so smart, knowledgeable, knows the game. And um, we just thought this would be a great fit, and we brought it all together, and here we are with Team Canada. <laughs> and now you qualified for the Olympic trials, too. I know. We were sitting there last night. I totally forgot about that, and I was like, oh, my God, guys. We just qualified for the Olympic trials. They're like, yeah. <laughs> and Continental Cup. <laughs> all big things. So getting to wear the Maple Leaf in Canada, how's that going to feel? That's going to be feel amazing to have that crowd behind you and have all that support. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. How were you able to park what happened in the 10th end? I just shrugged my shoulders and I was like, you know what? It, it happens and just put it aside and just give me that forefoot again. You almost had the run back. Yeah, I almost made it, just papered it. So I was like, oh, run. But uh, it happens and I've yeah always dreamed about drawing to the pin for the win. How's your voice? It's actually held up all week. It's great. <laughs> I always wonder about that. Skips yell a lot. You, you know, you yell a lot. You're not afraid to say that, but... Yep. How, does, how do you make sure your voice doesn't go, or do you do anything? I just drink lots of water and hot water and take lots of hauls. <laughs> Want a sponsorship there? Yeah, hauls can sponsor. That would be great. <laughs> I think they should get involved in the skip game. How was Moose Jaw? Moose Jaw was unreal. The fans there, every draw, it was packed, and they really made us feel at home there um, and have so much support, and all the volunteers were absolutely amazing, and the host committee, and they really put on a great event. 
To get to do it with your twins there too. How cool is that? Oh, it's amazing. I love having the girls there with me and my husband and my mom and dad. They all mean so much to me. And uh, uh, hopefully one day the girls will carry on this uh, curling legacy. <laughs> How different was 2020 compared to 2018 for you? Um, I mean, it's just that much more special just because the four of us have really worked so hard over the last two years to get to this point and and to to make that final to win that final um we've had a lot of ups and downs a lot of hard losses and and so it's just extra sweet at the end of the day um in 2018 i was so grateful for the opportunity to have been asked to join up and and it's still a super special moment and i'll always remember my first scotties but uh yeah this is this was extra special we built this team for this specific reason and to be winning these kinds of championships and so to actually have done it is is phenomenal how far do you think you and brienne have come as a front end since you joined forces a couple years ago um i mean to start off we Definitely were, I would say, panic sweepers, if anything, and, and uh, overswept a couple rocks, um, and that would be like in the fall of last year. And, and so just getting better on the judge was huge for us and not panicking, always looking up. Um, our communication down the sheet has totally improved and, and just in terms of staying fit um, so that we can play through these long events is, has been huge as well. How much did your training have to change when you became a second instead of a skip? Um, like it was a complete 180, <laughs> essentially. I, I was like in shape before, but nothing uh, compared to what I had to do to prepare to play the front end. Um, I essentially went to the gym six days a week in the summer before our first year together. And um, I work with a personal trainer. So um, I've worked with him for the last two years. And honestly, it's so phenomenal um, what he's been able to do and how he's been able to help us. He works with Brienne as well online and, and same with Val. And uh, yeah, it's just so helpful. And uh, I, think, I think we've come a long way. <laughs> Take me back to the final. You were up four after eight. Did you ever think you had it in the bag? Or did you know that that's a silly thing to think against a team like Holman? Um, I had a very strong feeling that we were going to be winning it. I mean, obviously it would have been heartbreaking if uh, we had missed that last one in 11, but I knew that I had a really good feeling that if we left Carrie a draw on her last one in 11, she was making it just because she had missed in 10. Like she had that, she had to get that redemption and she did and she made it perfectly. Um, but yeah, we had control all game and, and I mean, full credit to Team Homan because they never stopped pressing uh, you can look at their percentages for the game they're super high as well so um, we got uh, fortunate with a couple deuces where we were and we were able to force them in some really key ends um, and obviously we would take going into an extra end with the hammer any day against any team so uh, we couldn't be more happy with how things turned out do you think she had the run back in 10 to to finish it off on her first shot Carrie, uh, yeah, definitely. It was it was for sure there. Um, yeah, just needed to curl up. She really missed it by probably about half an inch. Um, so she was super close to making that. Um, and unfortunately, she didn't and had to throw her last one. And it slid a little too deep, but uh, it was all good. We had, to, we had to refocus and just say that uh, we were okay with that and, and we were just going to win it in the next end. What does it say about your skip's resiliency that she can come back from a miss like that that you know could be devastating and just put it right on the hearts to win the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, she's 
so strong as an individual um, and we just were so in awe of her ability and how she played this week. Um, she really made some huge shots for our team and we knew that she would be close. Um, she's, she never gives up that one um, and you know, as long as we gave her a shot on, on her last, we thought that uh, it was a good chance she was going to make it. Now, how cool is it going to be to play as Team Canada in Canada? Phenomenal. Um, last time I wore the Maple Leaf, it, we were also in Canada, although I was um, the alternate in that instance, but it doesn't change. Like, the building's going to be electric. We're going to have all the fans on our side. Um, and I've never been to Prince George. BC's beautiful, so I'm excited to go. Yeah. And what are you going to do up until then? I think we're going to take the first week to kind of relax and make sure we're celebrating and, and hang out with friends and then we'll get back into a more regular training routine um, leading into the event so that we can get refocused and ready to go. This is your first Scotty's experience. Was it everything you hoped for? Yes, and more. <laughs> I was just hoping that we would put a good performance together and make it to the championship round and then hopefully the playoffs, but I never imagined that we would win it, especially my first time, but it was definitely in the cards. I knew we had a great team, and it was just great to put it all together and make it to that last game. Hard to live up to this for future Scotties, right? <laughs> yeah, it can only go down, right, unless I win every single one, but I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> Your teammates, though, had all been to a Scotties before. How much experience did you talk to them about and draw on for this? Um, I've been to them before, but only as a fifth man, so at least I had kind of seen what happened and what went on, um, but definitely was different. Playing in my first one, it was a long week, and I was just so happy to be there. Take me back to when you first joined this team. How far have you come as a front end since then? Um, I would say pretty far. Um, I was all, I had slept in my past, but not as much as I do now for sure. And um, it took a lot of learning, but we all really got down to our roles and tried to be our best at every position. And I think we really got to that now. Have you ever seen someone curl as good as Carrie did this weekend? <laughs> yeah, she was unreal. Eh? Like she made almost everything. I always was confident every time she went in the hack and she was feeling confident it was just great to see and great to have her feeling so good out there so what are you gonna do now I guess we go home and get rest and then we have to leave we actually leave on my birthday um, to go to the worlds so it's a quick turnaround but it'll be nice to have a couple weeks just to relax and do whatever training we need to get done and then get ready to go so your 20th birthday is a flight to BC pretty much yeah <laughs> but that's okay I've my birthday's been during the Worlds for a long time, and I've always wondered, like, oh, that would be cool to go during my birthday, and it's finally happened, so it's really cool. And to get to do it in Canada must be cool, too. Yes, I really like that it's in Canada. I, I've always heard that um, when Canadian teams get to play in Canada, they've said that's always been their favorite, so I'm really looking forward to it. Have you been to Prince George before? Probably not. I haven't been to BC too much, um, but I'm looking forward to it. BC's always beautiful, and I'm sure it'll be great. And just... For Val Sweeting as well, how good does that feel to win for her? She's been to the final twice, hasn't been able to win before. Yeah, she was super happy and she was so excited just to be at the Scotties period because she hadn't been in a while, in a few years. And she just, just seeing it on her face, be so relieved and so happy and same with Carrie. It was just great. The game went so well for your team. At any point, were you feeling, oh, we got this? It was a long game. It felt like the longest game ever because we did have control for most of it and we were playing well, but they were also playing well. So we knew we had to hang tough and just keep making our shots and 
we knew if we gave them any opening, they would definitely take it. So it felt like a long game, but um, I'm just glad we pulled it off. And to see your skipper, you know, come through with a draw to the button to win the Scotties, that's like a dream come true. Yeah, I was really excited that we got to play a shot to win. It's always better when you get to play and not have to watch the last shot. So I was really excited we got that opportunity, and then she made it, and it was just amazing. How do you give up seven in an end? Oh, yeah. Um, we don't know. <laughs> that was wild. I... We just didn't uh, perform as well in that end, and they ended up making like every single draw that they could make. So <laughs> that happens sometimes, especially at that level at the Scotties. You got to play a lot of hard teams, and if you give them those opportunities, they're taking them on you. How long have you curled for? Since I was 11. And in your entire curling experience, what's the most you'd ever given up in an end before? Ooh, that's a good question. I honestly don't know. Probably not seven, though. I w I would hope not seven, <laughs> but. Yeah, I can't remember. You always forget these things when better things come along, and it's just good to win. And you get the championship, so who cares about the seven-ender, right? Exactly. No one's thinking about that anymore. <laughs> Leah Hextall. Leah, are you surprised the Jets did nothing today? Well, I'm not surprised they didn't do anything because they'd already made the moves that right. they were able to do. I mean, the only thing really that they could have maybe been able to pull off, and that's a very far shot, was doing something with Dustin Bufflin. But what team in their right mind is going to take a player that came out and told a team that he wanted to retire, then went and had surgery late in the game and is recovering, and by the time he gets done, won't have played hockey for over a year and a half at the advanced stage of 30-plus. So that's a really hard move to make for anyone, especially at a $7 million salary cap hit. So not surprised at all that the Jets didn't make any moves. I feel that the two moves that they did prior were really all they could do, and, and they will help add some stability and some depth moves uh, going forward, not only just for this season. So they add Dylan DeMello, Cody Eakin. Um, we'll get to how they've panned out so far. Really quick sample size. Can't really make a judgment. But uh, fair to say Carolina making the most noise today? I think so. I mean, you know, you look at Carolina, and this, I wasn't expecting it. I mean, they go out and get Vincent Trocek, as you just mentioned, Christian, and he easily becomes their second-line centerman, and that's a big move from them. So you look at that then. But also, you know, what they were able to do on their defense. They have those long-term injuries to Dougie Hamilton on defense and also Brett Pesci. So they go out and they manage to pick up Brady Shea, who also has term left on his deal, and then Sammy Vatanen, who may just be a rental for them. And Don Waddell, their general manager, doesn't necessarily like rentals, but in Trocheck and Shea, those two players both have term left so that they can continue on to be productive for the Carolina Hurricanes going forward. At the same time, though, you know, what about the Carolina Hurricanes goaltending? I mean, I don't know if I would have enough faith, faith in Morazic and Reimer to think that they're going to give you a long playoff run, but the team would know better than I. And if they need a goalie, well, I'm sure David Ayers can be called up in an emergency <laughs> basis any time to come in and get the win for them. Well, they had to call up two goalies from Charlotte, including uh, Nijelkovic, who I think they're really high on. As a, mm -hmm. as a potential future goalie for that franchise. Uh, the Islanders giving up three draft picks, including a first for Pajot, and then they sign him to a six-year deal. Um, any team quieter than you thought they'd be? Um, not really the fact that they're quieter. You know, I, I'm a big believer that the deadline is not the day that you truly want to do a lot of business besides 
adding depth pieces. I mean, when you look at the New York, New York Islanders trade for Jean-Gabriel Pajot, he's been very effective this season in Ottawa as playing as their top centerman, but he only has 40 points. When you look at the rest of the league, you know, on any other team, he's a third-line center, and that's just the bottom line. He does have the ability, though, to go out like he has been in Ottawa and play against the best players of other teams. So that's a great pickup by Lou Lamarillo. But the fact is if they hadn't, signed him for that extension, I would have said that I don't like that deal because of how much they gave up. But really, I don't think necessarily that I thought anybody was quiet. What I do love, though, is I think the winner of the day is the Ottawa Senators. And I understand that people will look at it and think, well, they traded away everything they have and they sold the farm. But they also come away with 14 draft picks. And three of those are going to be in the first round this season. And who knows what will happen in the lottery. So this is the rebuild right here for Pierre Dorian. And he did a really good job today collecting those draft picks. And it'll be interesting to see, but this is the rebuild and it's on in Ottawa and they're doing it the right way by drafting now and developing. So I think truly a big winner of the day is the Ottawa Senators. Why did Buffalo trade for Wayne Simmons? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's it's really interesting to me. I don't know what the idea behind that was by Jason Botterill, their general manager. I think right now the situation in Buffalo is so dire that I think Botterill perhaps looked at bringing in a player like Wayne Simmons, more of not a move that's going to make their club better necessarily on the ice, which I think it will help. Obviously, he's got skill and he's got some grit. But more importantly, I think this was to help organize their room. We've all been speaking to the fact for years now that we don't understand why they just can't get it together in Buffalo because they have had really talented pieces there and they still do and I wonder if that move was simply made just to come in calm the waters and have a very strong voice in that room in Wayne Simmons are you surprised that Vegas got Robin Leonard for their goaltending I'm not at all you know the surprise to me is that Malcolm Subban has you know he's been pretty much a bust you have to remember that this was a selection a first round selection by the Boston Bruins 24th overall and he's never been able to get out of that backup scenario and obviously there wasn't enough faith in him that if something were to happen with Marc-Andre Fleury and let's face it Fleury's had his injury issues especially with concussions over the years that if something were to happen I don't think Kelly McCrimmon had the faith that Malcolm Subban could be the guy so they go out and get Robin Leonard who we all know that with Corey Crawford also in Chicago's net both becoming UFAs that Chicago was going to have to make a decision and today they made that decision. And we'll finish up the NHL wraparound here with the Edmonton Oilers. They get Tyler Ennis from Ottawa, who's having a decent season. They get Athanasiu, and they got Mike Green last night. Nothing huge, but one of the issues with this team has always been depth. So do you feel this properly addressed that by Ken Holland? Listen, Kenny Holland had one of the best days out there. His hockey club is a better hockey club. And Athanasiu, the thing about him is he has just got wheels. And it'll be interesting to see with a player when Connor McDavid returns because perhaps that's going to be their greatest addition after the deadline for them is the fact that they'll get back the greatest player well, in the game Well, he played right last now. night. Oh, pardon me, did he? See, yep. I missed that. Thank you for correcting me on that. So they have him back, but Athens to you, I think, is someone that's going to be able to keep up with him if they choose or elect to play with him. But, 
You know, Christian, I think that Edmonton got better today, and I liked what Ken Holland said. He said, my team has played well, and I did this because I wanted to energize them. He also mentioned the fact that he came here to win. And if you don't start building and adding the pieces to the puzzle, and you and I have talked about this before, you worry about a star like Connor McDavid or the Leon Dreisaitl of the world thinking it's never going to happen here, so I want to get out. So adding these pieces to the puzzle, and yes, you know, my green, Tyler Ennis, not necessarily huge pieces, but Athensio is a guy who's got more term on his contract, and I think he's going to be a great addition there. And I have to say, you know, we always talk about these new wave GMs like the Kyle Dubases of the world, but the fact is, is today, look at the two old guys getting her done in Ken Holland and Lou Lamarillo. And Don Waddell in Carolina, too. He's been around. Absolutely, yeah. So let's look at the Jets now. Uh, not an inspiring weekend if you're a Jets fan coming off the big win in Ottawa. Ottawa sucks, though. So to beat them 5-1 is <laughs> expected. They don't uh, show up well in Philadelphia. A bit of a fight, but then they don't really do much in Buffalo. This is kind of the wave you ride as if you're a Jets fan, right? There's ups and then there's downs and you think they're turning a corner and then they don't turn that corner. And where are we right now? We're exactly where the Jets should be. I mean, this is the Winnipeg Jets. I've spoke about this before. This is not a team that is going to go out and electrify every night. They have to fight for every single point they get. And I would even say to you, Christian, that I don't believe that facing a team that sucks is a guaranteed win in the NHL, like in the Ottawa Senators. I mean, you know, Buffalo, like, they should be beating these teams. They should be. But this is the NHL, and if you don't come to play every night, then you're not going to win. And I think what we're seeing right now with Winnipeg is the fatigue is finally starting to sit in. You know, you can't have Connor Hellebuck playing as many games as he had this year. He's been so strong. I mean, his performance this weekend, you know, the saves that he made were unbelievable. Those scores could have been completely different in the losses. But I think we're starting to see the fatigue set in. I think a player like Blake Wheeler, who's had to play center for so much of this season when he's usually a winger, trust me, like center players will tell you about it. They feel like, you know, when a centerman goes to the wing, he feels like he's on vacation. The centermen have so much responsibility. It's such a tougher role. And, you know, for a guy like Wheeler, who's, you know, getting long in the tooth and as talented as he is, that's a lot on him. And he's been there for a long time with the injury to Brian Little in that second man center position, even though he's been bouncing up and down with, you know, being united with Shifley. But, you know, I just think that this is who this team is. The injuries are catching up with them. It'd be nice to see Adam Lowry return. That would be a huge boost to them. Um, you know, and we didn't get much of an update today, but, uh, you know, this is just the Winnipeg Jets and, you know, I'm really sitting here wondering if this is going to be a team that ends up making the playoffs. Well, they have 32 wins in 64 games. If this was any other sport without points for losing, they'd be exactly 500, 16 at home, 16 on the road. I mean, Mm. they're pretty much textbook middle of the pack, but the saving grace for them is they're only a point behind Arizona. They're a point behind Calgary. For the two wild card spots, Nashville's one point behind them, though, with three games in hand. I think that's really it. I don't think Minnesota's going to make a charge or Chicago. So they're worried two of those, you know, five teams are going to get in. None of them scares you if you're one of the top teams in the West. But again, the Jets are just one of many teams that doesn't really stand out from the pack. No, you're absolutely right. And and I, I do think a team like Chicago is going to fall way back now. And, and, you know, I don't see Minnesota being able to get it together to make that charge late. But then again, you know, they're four points back of the Jets right now. Really, 
you know, I'm a big believer that anything can happen and that if you start playing your, you know, your best hockey at the right time, lots can happen within the playoffs. But when I take a look at what some of the teams did today to get better, when you look at, you know, let's not forget what Vancouver did. They brought in Tyler Toffoli and they did that for a reason. And that's a good acquisition for them. And, you know, especially with Besser out and when Besser comes back. But, I mean, a lot of teams got better today. And the teams that didn't really do much didn't really need to get better because they're already really good. And when I take a look at this Central Division, St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, any of those teams could be in the Western Conference Final, in my opinion. And so I think the Winnipeg Jets are, you know, really hard fought to uh, get it together here. They're so far back to get them through their division. So it's going to have to be through the wild card. And that means that it's going to be a neck-to-neck battle with the Calgary Flames and Arizona Coyotes and, by the looks of it, the Predators. And those are all teams that I think are just as good as this Jets team. So it all depends who wants it, who's going to get it done here in the, in the stretch run. Last question. What have you thought of Jansen Harkins in the NHL? Wow, right? I mean, like, I, I'm just, I'm really impressed by it. I've, I've seen him play, you know, I was at, when they had their homestand, I was down there a lot, and I was really impressed, you know, not just with him, but with that line, but it just seemed that every time he was on the ice, he was making something happen. He was active. He was first in on it. He was going for it. He kept up. He didn't look a step out of place. And, you know, and that's what we have to remember here is that, this Winnipeg Jets organization has done a very good job traditionally of drafting and developing. And, you know, if they don't draft a player, when they do get them into their system, the job that Pascal Vincent does is very strong down with the Manitoba Moose along with his staff. And, you know, there are some really great bright spots this season. And, and I'm really impressed with what I've seen so far from Harkins. And, you know, let's hope he keeps it up because it's a very small sample size. But what we've seen of him so far is, uh, is positive. Absolutely. Appreciate your time as always. We'll catch up later. Sounds good. Tune into the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?